actually multiple parts of Isaiah, but this one just really stuck out to me. Uh, This is uh, from the book of Isaiah, uh, really a prophecy, a look forward to this one who will come. It says, I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. I will take hold of your hand. I will keep you and I will make you to be a covenant for the people and a light for the Gentiles, to open eyes that are blind, to free captives from prison, to release from the dungeon those who sit in darkness. That's what waiting feels like for me. Sitting in darkness, eyes closed, waiting for what will be that it's unseen, almost like a dungeon, a prison. And Simeon prays these words, light has come, darkness is gonna be pushed out. The, prison, the prisoners will be set free. All words we hear Jesus say as he grows up, Simeon sitting in what seems like silent darkness and now his eyes have been opened as he's seen the promised Messiah. He continues to go on as he, as he talks to Mary. He says, your child here is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. There's gonna be resistance, which we, we know, right? As if we read the gospels, so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul. Two, he even just uh, explains there's gonna, be a, there's gonna be a lot of pain, which we know, right? As Mary experiences her son being ultimately beaten, imprisoned, mocked, and killed on a cross. That's gonna happen because the words of Jesus speak against the hearts and the desires of, of many around him. I brought a friend today, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, to share a little bit of his book, God is in the Manger. Dietrich uh, wasn't able to come. <laughs> he passed away a while ago. Um, and, uh, but I, I wanted to share a little bit. I'm really encouraged. Dietrich Bonhoeffer, if you're unaware, was a pastor and, uh, and part of the resistance uh, of the Nazis in World War II, uh, was killed for his work there, but um, has kind of an urgency and a, a real gospel love for Jesus in a, from a man who suffered and willing to really risk a lot uh, for what was right uh, and what God called him to. So I, I'm encouraged by his words about Christmas too. He says, the mysterious invisible authority of the divine child over humans' hearts is more solidly grounded than the visible and resplendent power of earthly rulers. Ultimately, all authority on earth must serve only the authority of Jesus Christ over humankind. He's saying this mysterious This child holds this power and authority that's so much greater than all of the powers around him. But because of that, there's gonna be a lot of resistance. I think this is what Simeon is talking about. He's saying, because a lot of people want a lot of power or comfort or to be in control, or at least they want someone else to be in control, they're not gonna like that Jesus comes and says he's the king of kings. They're not gonna like that he comes and flips everything on its head and, and, and shares that humility is, is actually where great power is. That actually in your weakness is where power is gonna lay. He's, they're not gonna like the way he talks about it. He's not, not gonna like the way his kingdom is laid out. And so really sitting here saying, this child is gonna really flip how we see God. And so I think it's really important here that he's pointing out how do we see baby Jesus? Even when I think about the Christmas story, maybe when you think about the Christmas story, we know how that story ends as Jesus grows up, as he teaches, as he heals, as he actually dies on a cross for us, as he raises from the dead, as he ascends to heaven and is king of kings on his throne today. I sometimes can think of that powerful Jesus and forget how humble, how how small, how weak he came. This incredible picture of how God's economy works 
I think though I sometimes have a different picture of Jesus. That's what I love about Simeon is he saw this small child and he realized that's where salvation comes, not through a powerful king who's gonna march into town and take over. I think it's helpful for us. How, How does Jesus look for you? I was actually Googled, how do people see Jesus? And they found this amazing thing. This is a gift, friends. This just happened this year. A church built a statue of Jesus that looks just like Phil Collins. <laughs> and I've been waiting to share this with you. <laughs> I think we get a picture of Jesus, right? And, and we, see, we hear the story of baby Jesus and, and it's hard to disconnect like powerful Jesus who takes out all evil and, and makes all things right, he's king of kings. We forget that God brings him in this image of small, gentle, and lowly, Right? I think we also think of them like this. Aren't these great? I just found these. These are, someone made pictures of babies as Marvel characters. Black Panther is so cool. Look at this kid. <laughs> you kick my butt. They're, they're too cute. I can't handle them. But I think we, we kind of picture him as this like buff little child who has like magical powers and he's like waiting to shoot beams out of his hands at all the Pharisees around him. He's a helpless baby. He has to be held by Simeon. Because this is how the gospel works. God comes to us in this wonderful way to show us that we've got everything flipped on its head. These strong and powerful and mighty kings who, who rush into a town and conquer them is not what we're looking for. We're looking for a different kind of king. Bonhoeffer says this, and that is the wonder of all wonders, that God loves the lowly. God is not ashamed of the lowliness of human beings. He marches right in. He chooses people as his instruments and performs his wonders where one would least expect them. God is near to lowliness. He loves the lost, the neglected, the the unseemingly, the excluded, the weak, and the broken. In fact, he comes as one of those, one of you. That's such good news. That this baby who comes weak, messy, Whiny should tell us God wants you too. You humble child, broken, excluded, wanting, waiting. He he wants us too. He's not waiting for strong Marvel characters to come in. Hey, I and he goes, Oh, I want you on my team. You look strong and powerful. He says, oh yeah, you're broken. I'm gonna come right into the midst of that, right to where you're at. And out of that, I will bring redemption. I'm gonna enter right into that with you and I'm gonna redeem it. Right after this, we hear the story continue. We get one more picture. It almost bookends the stories of Anna and Hannah. There's also a prophet, Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. Also an old woman who had lived with her husband for seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. I think she's probably over 100 years old. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. He's holding his child and he's praying, you've come, you've come to rescue us. We've waited so long and you're the one. And then this Anna walks up who's always there worshiping and praying. Spent all of her days, so many days there and confirms it again. Says to Joseph and Mary, yes, he's the one who's gonna rescue us. 
these old saints affirming this child savior. It's, it's what an incredible moment in this, in this in a Christmas story, in the world story, that they're all standing there together looking at a child, knowing this is the one who will rescue us. The old saints having lived their long lives, praying, worshiping, waiting, I'm sure distracted by things around them. Think of, that's a lot of years. There had to have been other things that said, yeah, are you sure that this seems like a better idea? I don't think he's coming. Or maybe he's coming in this way, or, or, or maybe this way, or, or maybe let's put our hope in these things. And they faithfully just clung to know there's one coming, and finally that day they get to see him. That day they get to gaze upon the light, the rescuer, the one who brings freedom. And we too get to be people who partake in that. Bonhoeffer says the Advent season is a season of waiting, but we, our whole life is an Advent season. That is a season of waiting for the last Advent, for the time when there will be a new heaven and a new earth. And this is what's been helpful for me in thinking about Simeon uh, in a story about someone who waited so long. I think about Anna, someone who waited so long and finally got to see Jesus. A story that took place a long time ago. And then we know Jesus has come and, and died and rose and ascended to heaven as king of kings today. But we still live in a time of wanting, of waiting. A time where we say, when are these things not going to be? And we know that that's because they aren't done yet that we live in a time where we're waiting for that last advent when Jesus will return again and make all things right. So what do we do in that time? Well, I, there's two things that I've learned uh, that I just want to pass on here as we end our time is that this has reminded me of the importance of waiting and holding. Just quickly want to kind of share with you what that might look like in our lives. We aren't people who go every day to the temple and wait to see baby Jesus. We're people who know that he has come and has rescued us and has done the work to make us right with God and all people right with God. And so what does waiting look like? I think I want to encourage us that waiting is an act of worship, of praising our God's sustaining of us. It's an act of prayer. It's not us sitting in a waiting room waiting for that thing to happen, just sitting, playing Candy Crush, passing the time, finding something to do. But actually our waiting for Jesus to return is an opportunity for us to worship, to continue to rely and grow in our dependence of God, to find great joy in that we don't have it together and to find great joy each year that I'm growing older and more aware that I need you, that I've lived a long life and I know that we ain't right. Learning to hold on to Jesus more and more, knowing that things around me aren't right. There's a, there's a phrase that I have been learning from uh, Ray Ortland that I just shared with our small group leaders as we had lunch a few weeks ago. It's one that's really been helping me. It's a phrase that he says, if we want to see people change in the church, if we see the gospel change people, this is what happens. He says this all the time. If, you ever, if you've met someone from his church, they might even say this phrase. It's so part of their church. And it's really been a blessing to me. He says, what changes people is the gospel, this good news, that Christ has come to broken people and rescued them, not because of what they've done, because of the work he's done. And that they have a safe place 
So this gospel plus this safe place, a place where they can be broken, uh, a place where there's not judgment, a place where they can be healed, a place where they can say things and ask questions, a place where a person will not be canceled. So you have the gospel and you have that safe place. And he says, and it's so important that we have time, that we don't put a deadline on people changing and that we don't give up because it's been too long before we feel like we've seen God do something or the people around us do something. And if we have a place that allows for lots of time and that's safe and that the gospel is proclaimed, then we'll see people grow. And I would guess that many of you, if you told your story of how you've grown closer to Christ, how you came to Christ and have continued to grow, this is probably part of your story. I share this because I think it's really important. This time part is so important. Actually, us waiting is actually kind of part of the equation of how we continue to grow close to God. That we get to keep sitting and going, God, you are still good and you're still sustaining me. And the things around me, maybe for moments feel like they're good and then I learn they're not my hope. Bonhoeffer says, this every day we must turn again to God's acts of salvation so that we can again move forward. Faith and obedience live on remembrance and repetition. Remembrance becomes the power of the presence because of the living God who once acted for me and who reminds me of that today. Waiting for us is an opportunity each day to repeat and remember the good news of the gospel. And if we have a safe place, hopefully that in our church and our small groups, hopefully have people to do this with to do that and remind you of the gospel and we're people who actually will change We'll find more joy in that, in that good news. Um, and so waiting is actually a great blessing, a great gift that God's given us, an opportunity for us to grow closer to him and, and, and uh, find great joy in that. Secondly, not just waiting, but I feel like I've learned the importance of holding. I was gonna use the word embrace. That feels too, uh, like, too much like hugs. I guess holding is like hugs. But in this, in this picture of Simeon, we see a man who waits. And we see a man who holds Christ in his hands. And I share this because I think it's important for us to consider what we're holding, what we actually hold on to, we cling to as our hope. He holds on to this gentle and lowly and lovely savior who's gonna rescue him, who will give him rest. But I think at times I'm holding on to things I think are more powerful, but are actually false idols. Who are, who are promises of success or joy or my own glory or my own power. And I hold on to those a lot of times because I'm just, I don't want to wait more. I hold on to those and then over time I learn those aren't actually safe or good news or have brought great joy. And so what we hold on to is so important. And a season in, at Christmas when I find myself holding on to kind of magical Christmas moments to get me through, I often find myself let down by these not so magical Christmas moments. A moment where I say to myself, I just need this break that's coming up and I finally will get rest. I'll finally have people who love me and care for me. I'll finally get a break from that diet or that I'll finally get that gift that I want or I'll have that special moment with my kids, that magical moment when they run and embrace me. Thanks dad, you're the best. And that doesn't happen especially as they become teenagers in your home, hypothetically, and they don't seem to run and hug you and say you're the best quite so much. It kind of fades in the rearview mirror, even if those things happen, right? Even a lot of us might have really great 
Christmas moments. It seems like January 2nd, 3rd, 4th comes and you're like, whoa, that happened so fast. I've been looking forward to that for so long. And now back to the normal life. But if I cling to one for my hope, I can enjoy those things and still hold tightly, right? I can hold to Christ who brings life. Clinging to him who brings life and light and rescue brings, can bring me great hope. And I can enjoy those things, enjoy that creation around me, but not put my hope in those things. Someone who does this really well in my life, uh, I think a picture of this is my dog, Frank. This is Frank. This is just yesterday. I thought of this. I'm like, oh, Frankie. I, uh, this is Frank waiting for me at the door on the left here. He spends hours maybe doing this, I assume. Uh, the second we leave our home, Frank waits for us. And if you're in the home with Frank, this is Frank sitting on the back of the couch. He guards our house so that no one can take us from him. <laughs> Some of you have come over to our house and experienced that <laughs> fierce dog, uh, making sure you know, this is my family. You don't take them from me. Frank has this picture for me though of, I come home no matter the day, no matter how I'm feeling, no matter how I've acted. And Frank, his sole mission in his life is to wait so he can Hold me. Frank will jump on you and like hold you the best his little arms can hold you. Uh, and we get to hold him. It's just this sweet picture. If any of you have ever had a dog that's loyal like that, uh, there's this sweet picture of like his goal all day is to wait for us so he can hold us. There's other people who walk by our house. He just barks to, for them to get away. Those are things that might distract him in the home, but all that matters is getting back on track so he can see his family. Uh, I, what a picture of us uh, in Christ. And I, I wanna encourage us as we think about what it looks like to be people who wait and hold well, um, that we will fail at this. And that in the end, like all things, we just continue to remind ourselves in remembrance and repetition of the good God who came that ultimately holds us and ultimately cares for us and ultimately patiently waits for you and brings life to you. And so today we get to celebrate, as we do every week, this good news that God has come to rescue us and give us life. I'm gonna invite our worship team up so we can sing that good news together. A couple things to consider here as we take some time to respond to that good news. Do you know that Jesus, the Savior, do you know Jesus, the Savior, who brings light to darkness? How do you respond to waiting? Maybe what do you hold for your hope in life? Maybe who helps you wait with remembrance and repetition? For me, it's so important. I've had people help me wait, um, help me be patient, help me know there is, God's coming back. This isn't the end. He's coming back. There's another advent. And who needs to know the good news that the wait for salvation is over, that Christ has come and given us life and that you can put hope in him. Let me pray for us and then we'll worship together. Um, just an encouragement to you, there's communion out in the hallway. You can take communion. Um, we'd love for you to do that as an act just to remember who Christ is, an act of remembrance and repetition. Uh, it's out in the hallway. There's people in the back of the room who would love to pray for you. Um, you also can give online. Uh, let me pray though for us now as we gather to sing and respond. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your kindness towards us and um, 
your love for us, that you came humbly as a baby, you entered into the brokenness of humanity so that we could have life. Oh, that is really good news. And I pray as we sing these songs that we'd be reminded of that. Amen.